This is the Only Human podcast from Community Radio 4 Z out of Brisbane, Australia. We are going to play an awesome little interview from Madeline、uh, Little, and she is a disabled theatre maker、um, and the festival director for Undercover Arts Festival, Australia's premier performing arts and disability festival. And so, over the last few years, Maddie has also been named Arts Access Victoria's inaugural Stella Young Award winner and Arts Access inaugural National Leadership Award winner. So, so that's some pretty impressive accolades there.、Um, and I'm glad that there is, you know, some award、um, honouring Stella Young's legacy as well.、Um, an amazing worker in disability arts、um, and theatre. So, in this interview that we're going to play, Maddie talks about her career, including her most recent theatre productions, as well as her research, advocacy, and arts management roles. Maddie also tells us what she thinks we can take away from lockdown to make theatre more accessible. Funnily enough, when I was about, I'd say, Seven or eight, I really wanted to be the next Hilary Duff. And that's, it's a really funny example, but that's kind of what got me into performing in general. Let's go back, back to the beginning. My name is Madeline Little, and I'm a disabled actor, performer, theatre maker. So that encompasses writing and directing as well. And I have spent some time researching accessible theatre practice, so looking at integrating things like、um, you know, the basic access tools like Auslan or captioning, or even just making sure sets and, and props are accessible. Integrating that into the very fabric of the work from the beginning so that access is never an add on, it's an integral part of whatever show I'm making. I discovered probably within my First few days、um, at university for my undergraduate drama degree, that there really wasn't anyone I could look to in the theatre industry with a career and a personal, you know, disabled experience like mine. Like, I didn't see anyone whose career or whose life I could kind of emulate. And because of that, I didn't see any identifiable you know, career paths or options for me. And so, through that, I think that planted the seeds of, of me thinking, okay, look, maybe I need to forge my own career and, and find a way of making theatre that is accessible for me and is exciting for me. And that then led me to you know, do my postgraduate degree researching accessible theatre practice and, and trying to find. Even just the language of how to describe what it is that we want to do and,、um, and to test things out so that we can start building an accessible way of making theatre that perhaps the mainstream will be happy to absorb or welcome into the sector. And hopefully, that would create more opportunities so that future students like me don't have to worry or struggle, or, you know, that they can see that there's a path ahead for them. My most recent staged production was a show called Hold, and it was a verbatim theatre piece、um, inspired by and you know, based off of my personal experiences and poetry, because I, you know, I also write poetry on the side. And、um, yeah, that was me trying to integrate 
um, the aesthetics of access is what we call it into the show. Um, so making sure that I had, you know, open captioning the entire time. I um, had a deaf actor and a child of deaf adults as an actor as well, so that there was integrated Auslan in the show as just a couple of elements. But I think the most exciting thing about the show is that it resonated with people and I had such great feedback about just the narrative and the emotional content in the show that they felt that they could relate to certain things um, or certain stories that my character had shared on stage, which was really awesome. Um, yeah, and so we, uh, you know, we were meant to bring that show back in 2020, but of course COVID happened. Um, so I haven't been able to um, perform or, or, you know, put a show on this year, but I have recently started writing a show called Table 12, um, co-written with Alastair Baldwin, who is a playwright from Melbourne. He's a comedian as well. And so through Metro Arts Creative Development Program, we were able to write the full first draft of our play, which is a satirical comedy. It's kind of like making fun of the rom-com genre uh, of movies, but putting it on the stage um, with two disabled main characters so we can try and boost that authentic representation on stage. Reasons to be cheerful. I think one of the best things that I've seen, um, Grey Eye Theatre Company in the UK um, were able to put at least one of their shows. I saw Reasons to be Cheerful is one of their, you know, main works that took the world by storm. Um, and that was up online for a couple of weeks for us to view for free, which was incredible. Um, not only did it make things accessible, but I don't think I would have had the chance to see the show anyway, just because I'm based in Australia and, and the show was over in the UK. Um, so that was a good example. Um, I think any theatre or performing arts organisation that was able to put work online, you know, that was really beneficial, not just for people who, you know, locked down at home, but a lot of people with disability are, um, you know, spending all of their time in bed and that's an access requirement for them. So being able to see shows online really makes a huge difference. So I think that there's a lesson there and, you know, perhaps it's really worth investing a bit more money into the documentation stage of each main stage show. And then you can actually put it online and sell online tickets, you know, during the season or after the season um, to provide an accessible option although you also need to make sure that it's captioned and, you know, that there's an Auslan version around. So, you know, claiming, claiming accessibility is really hard if you don't have those elements there as well. Companies and organisations will say, you know, it's too expensive to make something accessible. And, and in my head I kind of go, look, if you integrate captions into your projection design, you're not paying for an extra captioning service so you're actually saving money in the long run. Um, I think the important um, thing to remember is that I, you know, as much as I've been researching this sort of stuff and, and working as much as I can within the disability arts community, ultimately I can, I can use my voice to help advocate for other access requirements, but I am also only really qualified um, to speak confidently on my own. So from my perspective, I go, okay, all stages should be flat, all chairs should be, 
you know, 50 or so centimeters from the floor. I should be able to sit down whenever I want. I should be able to have cold water handy. And that's making theater accessible for me. But then if I think on a wider, you know, broader scope, every show should be Auslan interpreted. There should be a tactile set tour before every show. Audio description should be readily available for anyone who needs it. Open or closed captioning, whichever, you know, option is preferred by um, the deaf community. You know, that's all of those elements, I think, would make a huge difference. And they're all things that require, I think, a lot of education and an effort um, from organizations to achieve. It's not going to be an easy fix by any means, but I think we've learned a lot from the lockdowns in that people were saying, oh, it's impossible to put shows online. And then suddenly we did. So I think the lesson that we've learned is that nothing is really impossible. We just need to work hard and find solutions to make that happen, that work for each individual organization or, or production. I think they absolutely would see a return on their investment, but I think they also need to be open-minded to that. It may not be instant. The analogy that I use all the time is that, you know, if I am um, walking down a street or, you know, I might not be walking, I don't enjoy it. But anyway, if I'm walking down a street and I see that, you know, the gate to someone's house is firmly locked shut and I can't open it and they won't let me in, sooner or later, I'm going to start ignoring the house. I'm just going to walk on by and I'm not going to pay attention. And so I won't notice if that gate is suddenly unlocked one day. I'm still not going to feel safe walking in because for the past, you know, several years, I felt completely excluded and, and unwelcome there. And so, you know, for any theatre company or arts organisation who is looking to make their work accessible, if they've done those things, part of the responsibility is that they have to actively engage with the community to build that relationship and build that trust back to actively say, you are welcome here and we're trying and let us know if there's anything else that we need to do to welcome you back in because you do belong here just as everyone else does. I think the, the most important piece of advice is that you deserve to be part of the arts community and your art matters. And so if you remember that first and foremost, that should hopefully provide some, um, I guess, energizing support to keep you going. Um, but I think the other thing too is that the community is quite big. And when I tapped into the Australian disability arts community, I found a lot of wonderful friends, some great collaborators, um, but I also found a lot of solidarity and support. So I would recommend getting in touch with the local and, you know, nationwide communities. Um, there are a few Facebook pages or sorry, Facebook groups. Um, so one is called Australian Disability Arts Community. Um, there's another one called CAC, C-A-C-K, um, which is um, another, you know, Facebook group for artists with disability or who are deaf. Um, and then I also earlier this year, you know, if you're in Queensland, I started the Queensland Disabled and Deaf Artists Network Facebook group. And that's another opportunity to get in touch with some people who might be in the same boat as you, um, but can certainly help steer you, you know, if you want to make a music video and you don't know how to do it, 
or if you want some feedback on your play, these are the groups and, you know, this is the community that will help um, support you to do that because you're definitely not alone and you deserve to be here as well. So that was about um, Undercover Arts Festival, which is going to be in September of next year, which will be happening sooner than we think with the way time is flowing. So the 15th to the 18th um, of September 2021. And there are some videos of works in development on the Undercover Artists Festival website and Facebook page. Um, So to be sure to check those out and to keep an ear or eye out for Maddie's theatre works that will hopefully be on an accessible stage near us too and those upcoming theatre works are titled Hold and Table 12 um, which will definitely be worth experiencing Um, aspiring artists aspiring artists and theatre makers should check out the resources Maddie mentioned which again were the Australia Disability Arts Community Um, CAC, C-A-C-K, and the Queensland Disabled Deaf and Artists Network Facebook groups. Thank you so much for that. And if you enjoyed that interview about uh, the disability arts community, there'll be more of those in future. Emma Carroll will be contributing more stories over the coming months. So look forward to that. Excellent. Yeah, me too. You are listening to The Only Human Podcast. Only Human is a weekly program on social justice, disability rights, psychology, social research and mental wellness. You can listen in Brisbane on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM and set digital on DAB Plus radios. Love community media? You can support 4ZZZ by subscribing or making a donation at 4ZZZFM.org.au.